I mean, when we first started speaking about canvas tents and people ask, oh, so it's like you're like camping and you're sharing a bathroom uh, with different people. I said, no, no, it's like a villa, like a luxury villa. Uh, you know, rates were three, four, five hundred pounds uh, a night. And I think there is a big trend towards going back to basics, going back to the roots, going back to nature, understanding the food that you eat, where does it come from? Uh, the milk that you drink, where does it come from? During the weekdays, uh, these resorts started getting really full. And um, I, I saw most of them being full throughout 2020. It was just unbelievable. And this is continuing until now. And rates jumped even higher than they were before. Hello, and welcome to the Glampy Tech Podcast. Before I start talking about today's episode, I want to apologise to anyone who was expecting an episode last week. We're considering switching up our release schedule at the minute, which is why we skipped last week, and we might not have one out every single week moving forward. It's a work in progress at the minute, but I'll let you know when we settle on a schedule. Now, on to today's episode. It's a bit of a different one for you today, as I'm joined by Chris Nader, who's based in Dubai and is an expert on glamping, eco-resorts and all things hospitality in that region and across the wider Middle East. The Middle East is an area of particular interest to Glamprotect at the minute as we've recently expanded into the region and it's all looking very exciting. I appreciate that this might not be what you UK based listeners are interested in so I won't be offended if you switch off now but I do think it's useful to glean what we can from other glamping cultures. I remember speaking to Steph Curtis Raleigh in a previous episode about how UK glamping businesses can learn a thing or two from those in the US and today is along similar lines. For anyone listening from the Middle East, welcome and I hope you find this valuable. For our law UK base, thanks for sticking around and I hope you enjoy. Hi Chris, how are you doing? Hi Nick, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for giving up your time and, uh, and coming on. Could you just give us an introduction to you, your backstory, your career and what you're doing now please? Look, it's a pleasure being here and it's probably I think my first podcast. I've been on so many webinars <laughs> since the beginning of the, of the pandemic. <laughs> but not so much on postcards. So I'm very uh, excited to be, to be here. Um, so uh, my name is Chris. Um, I've been in the industry for about uh, 14 years, uh, professionally working in it. But from a background standpoint, I come from a family of, of hotelier. So we've been in the hotel industry for, for a few generations. And um, after completing my MBA from the hotel school in Switzerland and Lausanne, uh, I was um, brought on board by Kempinski Hotels uh, to be part of the birth of a new brand called Shaza Hotels for the Middle East, focusing on the Middle Eastern market um, at, the, at the luxury level. So my journey started there, um, creating uh, you know, these amazing uh, hotels, uh, along with a fantastic team where we had to create, you know, everything from, from scratch, including positioning, branding, uh, uh, concepts, etc. And then in uh, 2010, I had my first, call it glamping experience. Um, I don't always use that word because it has different connotations and references in the different countries mm-hmm. and different positioning levels. But for the sake of this, discussion, let's call it uh, uh, glamping. My first glamping experience was in Switzerland at the White Pod. Uh, really, really cool experience. Um, you know, with private ski slope, you would go up, sit, sit in these pods, you would put a, 
log in the fire to keep yourself warm at night and to go down you know to the restaurant you would take a sledge and and slide down um so you know this 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 whole trend for me and and this whole idea of glamping uh, started back then but it's only until 2018 when i had the opportunity uh when i moved to the while well, I was based in the Middle East, uh, I had the opportunity to work on an amazing project here in the UAE uh, called the Kingfisher Retreat. And, uh, and really this was my really first uh, hands-on uh, glamping experience uh, in the region. And this is how my passion for glamping really, really started. Mm. And so, I mean, we're going to get into a discussion about the, the, the glamping market in the Middle East in a minute, but I'm just intrigued, obviously, with your experience in the hotel industry. Um, have you, in your attitude towards glamping and maybe helping start glamping sites, have you taken anything from that experience in hotels into, into the glamping market at all? Um, well, look, I, I wasn't involved really in, in the creation of, of the concept. Uh, the, the, that project had uh, an, an owner who's, who's very, you know, involved and very creative. And, you know, he's, he's a visionary. And I think he's one of the first to have brought really a real luxury glamping experience to the, to the region. And maybe we'll speak about the region uh, later on about how it all started and what are the different types of products available. Um, so I was more involved on the, on the deal side, but I can definitely tell you that um, our, our, the, the team that I was working with at that time um, tried to bring the best part of luxury hospitality and implement it into an environment that, uh, that was very far away from traditional luxury hospitality. I mean, when we first started speaking about canvas tents, and people ask, oh, so it's like you're like camping and you're sharing a bathroom uh, with different people. I said, no, no, it's like a villa, it's like a luxury villa. Uh, you know, rates were three, four, five hundred pounds uh, a night. And uh, you had to provide the same luxury experience that you find in luxury hotels, and especially on the comfort side. But of course, not everything fits in that glamping box. And you can't use sometimes the same materials. You can't use the same uh, standard operating procedures. Uh, you know, you have to create uh, new ones that are adapted to uh, such a such a product. Um, plus, what was very interesting is that the uh, environmental restriction in which such a project was being built forced the team to be very creative and try to adjust and adapt and find new ways of operating under these uh, circumstances. So um, very, very interesting experience uh, that I was involved in about uh, three years ago now. Okay, well, let's set the scene then. What is the glamping industry like in the Middle East at the minute? <laughs> it's, you know, I know that in the UK, it's been, it's been a big uh, buzzword for some time. In the Middle East, it started really, I think, uh, last year, I would say, just, mm. just during the pandemic, just before the pandemic where the word glamping became, um, uh, you know, uh, very, very, you know, it, it appeared in, in different publications and media and people started speaking about it. Not everyone understands it, but uh, it's been booming. However, all of this 
I'm not sure we can call it glamping, but a lot of this started long, long time ago. I mean, uh, we here in the UAE, we we live in a in a country where you know the culture is of nomads, uh, Bedouins who move and live in tents and move from one place to another using tents. So obviously, the the tent concept uh, is is pretty much native of of this region, um, but. About 20 years ago, I would say, we started seeing some very interesting uh, resorts in the deserts. And um, these came not as, at all as glamping. They were actual you know, concrete constructions with villas and various types of units. And they became very popular. And some of them had some sort of sustainability um, elements uh, to them as well. Um, and they became very, very famous. It's been an instant success. And up until now, these resorts that opened a long time ago are still very, um, very famous. And then slowly, I would say again, uh, three years ago, uh, the first few projects that had a glamping element to them started you know, seeing the light here in the, in the UAE, including in the Northern Emirate of uh, Ras Al Khaimah and Sharjah. And in Dubai, so we start seeing some tents. We then start seeing some bubbles, uh, some domes, and um, different different levels of uh, of luxury, different level of glam. Let's call them yeah. with different uh, you know uh, services as well and facilities. But funny enough, there were instant successes, and rates were immediately higher than most five star resorts. So. The market kind of immediately uh, picked, picked on on, on, on these products. And they were not, you know, surprised to pay three, four, five hundred pounds a night to go there. Whereas, you know, the normal resorts on the coast were struggling to get 200 pounds. Um, but I would say outside of, of this UAE market, um, I guess the most remarkable growth in glamping projects came from Jordan uh, before the UAE and uh, specifically in Wadi Rum in the desert where we start seeing so many domes and tents and these, you know, very, and bubbles, uh, very nice, sexy uh, projects uh, via Instagram and with amazing photos. Uh, so I would say this is, where it really started from a Middle East uh, standpoint. So it sounds like at the minute, because it's so new that, I mean, if you just put a few tents out there, you can't help but make money. But it sounds like you you think that there's potential for um, a higher standard once as the, as the industry matures, there's potential for a higher standard where it really is luxury, um, as opposed to maybe just putting a few canvas tents out, out in the desert. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, if, if you look at the at the UAE, and this is probably one of the most established market for, for glamping at the moment, uh, and we can speak about Saudi Arabia uh, later on, but if you look at the UAE, um, different emirates have positioned themselves at different levels of luxury and want to attract different types of market. Some are more on the adventure side, others are more on the glam and, and luxury, the others are more on the uh, you know, exploration and cultural side. So um, there's definitely a market for different kinds of uh, levels of luxury. 
um, now one of the biggest trends is really to go raw, uh, you know, uh, nature uh, survival mode in these mm -hmm. camps. Um, and others just wanted to be more and more uh, luxurious. So uh, at the moment, we have quite a diverse offering here in the region. And Abu Dhabi also started picking up uh, this trend. And, and we saw the birth of three projects very quickly. Uh, one of them in Al Ain, which consists of some uh, geodesic domes. Uh, another one by the beach, also with domes. And the third one that opened recently during the pandemic was, uh, you know, canvas stands from uh, Eastern, from an European uh, manufacturer. Uh, and they're all around, you know, from 200 to 500 pounds. Uh, so there is this diversity. And, and we're lucky here in the UAE that, uh, you know, uh, people who live here and work here, um, and who are interested in such a leisure this, uh, experience have a high propensity to spend because mm -hmm. you know they, they earn decent money. Uh, we're lucky in this part of the world that we don't we don't pay taxes, income taxes, so it gives them even additional income to spend on on these experiences. So they don't mind going with those luxury um, um, glamping projects, but I believe there is a need at the moment to. To, to create more of those high-end products, people are just you know fed up of going to mainstream resorts. Um, first of all, these resorts are mostly on the coast of the UAE where most of us live. So when you go there on a staycation, you don't really feel like you've gone on holidays. You're still sitting in uh, in your background, in your uh, in your backyard, in your backyards uh, somehow. So um, you know, taking people up on a mountain, up and uh, you know, down in the desert, and giving them this luxury experience, I think many people would be interested to go uh, to such places. Nice. And and how does the market work exactly? And I'm thinking here two things. One, um, the target market is a particular. Um, kind of person or family that goes glamping in uh, over there and two is it seasonal because uh, as far as I'm aware um, I know UAE tends to am I right in thinking that a lot of people just just leave in the summer because it gets so hot um, so yeah target market and seasonality if you could give, give some info on that please yeah I mean I mean the market is definitely uh, seasonal and, and um, you know we have a very good season between I would say mid-October to just about now, mid of April. I think uh, this is a really good season with the, uh, with really high occupancy on, on, on weekends. And, and we have many holidays as well, um, which, which is very, we get, we get the best of both worlds. We, uh, we have the Middle Eastern holidays, we have the European holidays. We kind of combine everything. Uh, uh, here, so so these projects tend to work very well um, during the weekends, during the season, and then temperatures start rising above, you know, 40, 45 degrees Celsius in, in, in summer. Um, if you're in the desert, it's going to be very difficult to attract guests during the summer season. I mean, obviously, the number one condition for you is to have a private pool that is temperature controlled. 
if the pool is not temperature controlled, uh, it's like jumping in a jacuzzi and, and it's not what you want. Um, I, so I, I can't help but laugh how this is just the complete opposite of the UK. <laughs> the UK is <laughs> miserable during outside the summer. The, <laughs> I don't think we'd ever have to worry about the pools getting too hot in the UK. <laughs> Well, well, here, here to be able to cool uh, those pools and 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 in winter actually you have to heat them as well. Yeah. And the desert gets pretty cold, and we need to heat the pool in winter and and cool them in, in summer because of that uh, spread in, in temperature. So it also gives this additional um, consideration from a technical standpoint as to you know you're in the middle of nowhere in the desert. How do you heat and cool those pools? Do you use you know, generators that cost a fortune? You're not connected to the municipality grid, so you need to look at you know, independent energy sources. And investors, they're getting more and more onto the renewable energy and sustainability part, but they're still not there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of questions about, oh, do I have to invest so much at the beginning and is it worth it and how's my return on investment on such a renewable energy so many of the groups and the investors are are slowly adopting them but it's it's there's still uh, you know some uh, some work to be done so um so that's to answer a little bit uh, your question on, on seasonality mm-hmm. with regards to uh, to the target market we're we're seeing a very large um, um, target types that are coming to to those projects. Um, on weekends, we see some of those glamping projects that focus mainly on families and are providing those uh, family-friendly activities and experiences which work very nicely on weekends and, and holidays. Others are more on the adult side. So some of the projects would only allow adults uh, to come uh, to the to the resort, the glamping site, and uh, during uh, during the week um, before COVID, many were struggling to attract a consistent market during weekdays. So obviously, we had international uh, tourists that were coming, and these would fill your weekdays. We also had some uh, business that comes from companies where some team building activities or board meetings etc where people just want to go on remote locations um, but you know weekdays were slow what happened when COVID started is that people discovered that they could work from anywhere mm-hmm. you know they had the technology before but suddenly it took COVID for them to realize that actually I don't need to be sitting in, in a boring office but I can be uh, by the beach in a beautiful tent while you know my my family is even here around me they can play and i can work you know having this amazing uh, view so uh, during the weekdays uh, these resorts started getting really full mm. and um, i i saw most of them being full throughout 2020 it was just unbelievable and this is continuing until now and rates jumped even higher than they were before uh, so you had many resorts here on the coast of the UAE trying to fight for that market and offering all-inclusive and upgrades and discounts and many things. And the glamping sites were just, nope, uh, we have limited inventory. We have very high rate. I know that this is where you want to be because you're in a secluded area. You don't see other guests. So um, they, 
stick to their rates uh, mm-hmm. and it was a great strategy because they were full and made a lot of money mm. and uh, in terms of the potential in the of the industry i'd say the uk is it's mature now in terms of the, uh, you know it's it's it's, it's recognizing the uk everyone knows about glamping and you know more and more people are coming to the market because they can see the potential of it um how do you see the industry growing over there do you think it will you know you know grow to a point where it could even challenge like you know the, all the hotels over there or do you think it'll be niche or what what do you see um the future of it in that in that regard so so f- recently i've been uh, advising investors in the region on how to invest in you know eco resorts and sustainability and uh, you know this is something that i think will will, will be booming in the region uh, in the near future and um, you know every government here in the middle east is really at least in the gcc is really pushing investors to go down the sustainability route so the first step was for governments to put eco strategy in place especially on eco tourism to move away from this machine of hotels that were being built left, right, and center at a super high pace since the early 2000s. And now saying, okay, let's stop and and see, you know, how are we gonna shift our construction and and positioning and investment into something that is more sustainable. So they started more and more getting interested in Eco resorts, eco lodges, um, retreats, uh, remote locations. The the word glamping is still not recognized in, in the investment industry, at least um, not in the majority of investors that I'm talking to. So the moment you speak about let's do let's put some tents out in the desert, they think, oh, okay, then this is a you know. A very cheap investment. Uh, we can get a decent rate, and we're going to have a very high ROI. If if you apply the definition or the trend of glamping in the UK, I assume that is more oriented towards um, camping with a glam element to it. We're not talking about luxury resorts like Amman and and these kinds of brands. It's really more on, on the entry level type of experience. And you know the glam comes from the fact that you have your own uh, bathroom uh, probably, and you have like decent comfort. Um, I don't think this is what investors are looking for here in the region. I think their definition of glamping is more of an luxury ecology, uh, closer to what you would see in the Maldives, for instance, uh, or um, some of the amazing projects that Four Seasons has done uh, with Canvas, um, you know, Aman as well in, in, in the US. So, um, you know, they're more keen on seeing very large units where you have a lot of comfort. There are big families here that go on holidays. The private pool is important. And we're not talking about the small jacuzzi plunge pool, you know, they need decent sized um, uh, pools. Um, privacy is very important. So you cannot today develop a project on a small plot of land. Uh, you know, whether it's the desert, the beach, or the mountain, you need a lot of land to be able to create the privacy that people want. Because the last thing you want is to have your units 
that are surrounded by walls to create privacy. So you feel like you're trapped between a wall and that's defeats the whole purpose of glamping. Glamping is supposed to bring nature inside your accommodation. So to create natural privacy using sand dunes and trees and bushes and uh, whatever, you need a lot of space. And to be able to get a lot of space, the land will cost more. Um, you know, you have to increase your prices. This supports a higher investment. There's a whole mentality behind it that is, I think, maybe different from other parts of the world when it comes to glamping. Yeah, and you, you've mentioned um, government investment there. The governments do tend to get involved over there. And I think there are some public development projects that the Saudi government are looking at doing. What, what's the state of play over there for that? Yeah, this has been really, uh, uh, you know, supporting the industry and supporting investors to go down this uh, sustainability and, uh, and glamping routes a lot. So, you know, the, the three main uh, uh, markets here, let's say, uh, you have the UAE, you have Saudi Arabia, and, and these two, and if you split the UAE between the various Emirates, each of the Emirates has a very strong ecotourism strategy. And to support the ecotourism strategy, they have created some specific entities and funds that promote investment in ecologists, glamping and sustainability. Uh, Abu Dhabi has the Abu Dhabi Investment Office, uh, who's clearly pushing uh, investors to come along with the uh, tourism authorities to invest in uh, sustainable resorts. Uh, the same with Dubai, the same with Ras Al Khaimah. But I think, as you said, the biggest one probably came from Saudi Arabia. Um, Saudi Arabia, as part of their Vision 2030, they decided to obviously diversify away from oil. Um, economy and tourism was a very important part of that vision of that new strategy and within tourism they did something amazing which was like a big shift from what was happening in the past is they invested every single project that is seeing the light in Saudi and you have so many of those big projects one key component of all of them is sustainability so what they did is create uh, a tourism development fund, TDF, to support Saudi investors uh, in financing projects provided they contribute to Vision 2030, meaning they are sustainable, they create, uh, they increase tourism into the country. Uh, and also, which is very interesting, they wanted to get away from the main markets and the main cities and try to support secondary cities and remote locations and remote populations by creating you know, uh, employment opportunities uh, and attract tourists. They have some amazing you know, sites across the country, whether it's heritage, whether it's nature, mountain, uh, um, deserts, um, amazing beaches you know, on, on the Red Sea. So uh, there are many opportunities to create some very high-end glamping projects there. And that Tourism Development Fund has been a very great supporter of, of the Saudi investors to go down this route. And when you say sustainability, uh, what are there anything specifically that they're focused on? So are they you know, looking at using renew renewable energy sources or long-lasting canvas structures? What, what specifically are they looking for in, in the sustainable element? 
you know, they're, they're really trying to be extremely sustainable on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really, they're, they're not taking this lightly. It's not like, oh, just remove, you know, plastic straws or, or single-use plastic. Uh, it's really about uh, uh, water. It's about, you know, the natural resources. It's about renewable energy. You know, they have so much sun <laughs> all year round that, you know, uh, using that source uh, uh, is key, and uh, and they're partnering with you know worldwide organizations and big companies around the world to bring sustainable uh, resources and, and solutions to to the kingdom. There is also a lot about protecting the heritage. Uh, there is a lot happening about protecting wildlife uh, as well and reintroducing wildlife into many areas. Uh, especially some of the endangered species. So I think they've been doing a great job. So far, everything that has been really happening in Saudi is at a very luxury level. Don't ask me why, this is a long conversation, Hmm. but the the image of tourism in Saudi is based on luxury tourism. And this is how Dubai was also established uh, several years ago. And now slowly shifting to you know, attracting a wider spectrum of, of tourists uh, to the Emirate. Because, you know, you can't rely only on luxury tourists uh, yeah. To, yeah. To, to meet your objectives. Yeah, so clearly, uh, sustainability is going to be a key trend in, in that region moving forwards. And it sounds like luxury is as well. Are there any other trends that you can see emerging in the glamping slash eco resort market in the Middle East? Yeah, we're seeing also um, uh, a lot of interest from investors and from the market as well into uh, agritourism. And, um, you know, here they have many farms um, and uh, especially when it comes to, you know, date processing farms. And and I think there is a big trend towards going back to basics, going back to the roots, going back to nature, understanding, you know, the food that you eat, where does it come from? Uh, the milk that you drink, where does it come from? And families here, and including local families and, and tourists as well, and, and expats, are all kind of keen to show the new generation and their kids that you know, uh, milk doesn't come off the shelf of a supermarket, but this is where it actually comes from. So they're trying to develop a lot of the farmlands here towards educational experiences for families uh, surrounding agriculture and, and animals. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I think we're going to be seeing more projects, uh, glamping projects that would be implemented in such, a, in such an environment. Okay, thank you. And if, if anyone uh, wants to uh, find out more about the, uh, the developments in that region uh, and they want to hear from you about it uh, where, where should they go for that yeah please get in touch with me on on my linkedin uh, page uh, chris nader i'd love to help you and answer you we've been doing uh, a lot of uh, consultancy and uh, advising many investors in the region you know i've been i've been working here for many many years so happy to be of any help uh, for both local investors from the middle east and any UK investors who are keen to come to the region to to develop glamping projects. Perfect. Well, thank you for giving up your time and coming on. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glamper Tech Podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode. If you did, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings. Thank you.